Welcome to the Power Hour. I'm Adrienne Herbert, wellness coach, international speaker and author. Each week I speak to a variety of guests from business founders to Olympic athletes, leading coaches, change makers and innovators to find out their daily habits, their rules to live by and what motivates them to get up out of bed each day. Personally, I am on a mission to encourage, motivate and inspire. So I hope that the Power Hour will help you to achieve your personal and professional goals. Welcome back to the Power Hour podcast. Today, I am joined by Dr. Jonathan Reichenthal, an award-winning technology and business leader, author and founder of Human Future. I've recently had the pleasure of working with Jonathan on an exciting brand project, and I always enjoy our conversations, so I had to invite him to join us on the podcast today. We're going to be discussing emerging trends, digital transformation, the fourth industrial revolution, and what lessons from the past can help us to better prepare for the future. Jonathan, welcome to the podcast. Thanks very much, Adrian. I'm so happy I'm here with you. Oh, ditto. And where are you joining us from? (laughs) I am just a little south of San Francisco here in Northern California. Oh, so you're just waking up this morning and it's the end of the day here for me in in Grey England. But as I said, thank you for joining, for making the time. And let's just get right into it because Mm -hmm. there's so many things that I enjoy talking to you about. And one of those things is future. So there's nothing that I enjoy more than thinking, talking and and daydreaming about the future. (laughs) And it's a sort of passion and I guess obsession, hence why I'm always so keen to hear what you have to say. So can we start off with something that I think impacts most people and that is work. Can you explain to us the, some people may have heard this term, the fourth industrial revolution and, and what that means and how it could potentially impact all of us and our approach to work? Sure. Yeah. Um, well, look, we're, we're, uh, we've been in a state of change, uh, like almost, you know, radical change since the 1700s, you know, prior to that for a couple of hundred thousand years, nothing much happened, but in the 1750s, you know, the, the first industrial revolution got kicked off and, uh, we started, uh, innovating using things like steam and, and new materials and, a hundred years later, we had the second industrial revolution in the 1850s, approximately. And we had uh, the, uh, the, the, the first time we started to use electricity, leverage that incredible power in nature. And well, we know the result of that, you know, electricity has changed the world. It's a, it's a project, by the way, that's not finished. You know, we started it uh, 170 years ago, but there's still uh, almost a billion people on the planet this morning who woke up without electricity. So there's still more work to do. Then you fast forward like into 1950s and you get the start of the third industrial revolution, you know, the information age, the age of electronics and, and uh, digitalization. And we're all enjoying that. In fact, what we're doing right now is a product uh, of that third industrial revolution. In fact, our lives are a product of all three. Now, when we look at what's happening in the world and we look around us, uh, there seems to be uh, a, a sufficient change uh, and some leaps in technology that suggest we're in the beginning years of now yet another a fourth industrial revolution. And I think what's really important when you think about the three that have already happened and the potential for fourth is that the world before each was very different to the world after each of them. You know, the world, if you were born before the first industrial revolution and you lived through a good chunk of it, you had a decent life, um, you saw a very different world by the time you were in your older years. Um, and, and so what we can expect as we enter this fourth is a, a world undergoing great change. The big difference is, you know, the rate of the change and the scope of the change. And, and ultimately what I, what we like to say is the impact as well. Um, you know, it's, it's the changes that happened in the previous industrial revolutions, particularly the first and the second were, they were localized, they were regional, uh, and they took time. Now, when change happens, the deployment of a new application or a new solution like artificial intelligence, like ChatGPT, it's sort of global almost on day one. And, uh, you know, so, so, you know, we, we see that that, for example, came out and, and within just two months, 100 million people had access to it. Um, you know, it, it, it took something like the, uh, you know, the commercial airline, a commercial jet, you know, over 60 years to get 50 million customers, 60 years. You know, it took ChatGPT 
two months, 60 days to get 100 million customers, if you like, users. Um, so the, the, the scale of what's happening is, is important. The last thing I just want to say is a defining characteristic of this fourth industrial revolution is the intersection of the digital world with the physical world. Um, what we call cyber physical systems. Some people are using the word digital, but I don't know that that's going to take off. We'll see, right? <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people don't like it, but who knows, right? Um, and anyway, to your point, your question, maybe we'll get there, is all of this sort of major change now that's taking place impacts every aspect of how we live, how we work, and how we play. Mm. Yes. Oh, my gosh. It's, it's absolutely fascinating. And I think, you know, we talked before, you and I, about how you, know, you did this great... I guess a great example of the iPhone and when Steve Jobs launched the iPhone, you know, people often think the iPhone was, was the thing that, you know, that's what changed everything, but actually mm -hmm. it was the applications. It was everybody who came after who said, let me build an app for this phone because without, of course, without the iPhone, you know, those apps probably would never would have existed. But if you think about all the things that we now use our iPhone for, for example, Uber transportation or Instagram, social media, or even, you know, just to transfer money, online banking, mm -hmm. These things, you know, I, I guess that's kind of the yeah. the phone was almost the catalyst, and as well as being kind of, uh, I guess, uh, disruptor in itself. Yeah. Well, you can you you can do a little test. Is you know, uh, two two tests you can quickly do yourself. One is, um, what will you do today that involves your phone? And, and my guess is quite a lot. Um, and then the other thing, assuming a person is old enough, I think a lot of your audiences will be, is, um, you know. Uh, try to imagine the world, you know, without the smartphone or before the smartphone, right? What what was it like? Um, and so we see the the transformation of that. Your point about Steve Jobs is very interesting. Just to add to that, um, yeah, he didn't necessarily, he wasn't a big advocate on day one of having an open system where people could bid, build solutions for the iPhone. That happened a little bit later. And that, you know, that was the genius of sort of a little bit of good luck, but also, uh, you know, some smartness saying, hey, that makes sense. Um, and, and so what happened then, of course, is you, we created a, a platform for innovation, a platform for change, um, and that's had stunning impact on the world. Yes, absolutely. And it's so interesting when you said, imagine your day or, you know, how many things can you do, can you do on your phone? Because mm -hmm. I mean, the sheer panic, the sheer panic when people's phone <laughs> battery dies, you know, never, never mind losing your phone. If someone's phone battery dies and myself included, if my phone battery dies within about 10 minutes, you realize all of the things that you need that you can't access anymore. You suddenly, you suddenly just feel like, <laughs> oh, it's, it's, yeah, it's very strange. So looping back to how technology, you know, how it interlinks, how it impacts every single industry. So from healthcare to travel, fashion, food, education, entertainment, yeah. technology is now not, you know, it's not an industry on its own. It's, it's everything. Yeah. So do you think that people have really accepted and fully embraced this? Because I, you know, there's often, a lot of people will talk about digital or technology and they kind of demonize it and they speak about it in this way that, you know, we should be fearful and we're spending too much of our time looking on screens or looking at our phones or interacting via the internet. And it kind of still feels as though there's a, there's a kind of reluctance to accept where we really are. Yeah. Well, I, I think it's, there's a humor a little bit in the person who sort of posts a tweet, right? And they say, you know, I don't think a lot has changed in the world over the last 20 years. And it's that context, the fact that they're, you know, using a cloud solution on a mobile device and mm -hmm. broadcasting to the world. Uh, that's the, 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 the wonder of it. If they don't recognize, you know, that incredible power that wasn't available many years ago, then they're not recognizing the other changes that are uh, clearly embedded in, in the way that we, we're just taking for granted how we live today. Um, you know, I, I, I'll tell you a quick story here. I, I, um, I, I still come from the time when, you know, IT people and organizations desperately wanted to be in the, in the C-suite. They wanted to be in the, in the room with the, with the you know, decision makers. And over time, you know, the IT uh, director became the chief information officer and we had the chief technology officer. You know, and eventually they got invited into the room. You had the, you know, the CEO, the, the COO, and then the CTO. And, um, and that person would, would join the C-suite and they would say, uh, they would have to sort of learn about human resources, about financial systems, financial stuff, operations. So they, they would have to learn the business. Um, and so you fast forward, you know, just barely a couple of decades. 
and you know the the CIO and the CTO are firmly in the in the C suite now. And when that person joins and enters, uh, or a new you know a, a new phenomenon is emerging, it's not that that person has to learn all the other parts of the business. It's all the other parts of the business have to learn tech. And yes. so that's been an incredible 180, you know, um, the CEO needs to understand, you know, the value of data, the CEO needs to understand the value of um, artificial intelligence, or potentially blockchain or internet of things, any one of the remarkable techs that are, are uh, beginning to, to shape our world. Um, so so that has changed. The other part is, it used to be that you had a business and technology was helping, you know, it was on the outside, it was, it was uh, peripheral, it was augmenting. Um, Every business today is a technology business. Technology has moved to the center, right? And so now you've got core at the core technology and around that you've got the other services. So we've seen a remarkable shift in uh, what it means to, to uh, run an organization um, and uh, be successful in this hyper-connected global, global world. Back to your point and, and sort of, I want to build, kind of use that as sort of the framing for this idea that um, I think in industry, there's a, there's a great appreciation for the role of, of uh, existing in new tech. Um, but I think in, in the everyday lives of people, particularly in cities, um, you know, really good tech almost disappears. Like if, if your experience is good, you don't recognize it. Uh, things just work. And, you know, sometimes I'm actually really surprised, you know, when I, um, well, I travel often as I know you do, um, you know, you're booking a car on your phone getting to the airport, you know, uh, now checking in baggage uh, with self-service, you know, there's no people involved, walking through security where you have one interaction with a human, getting on the plane, like, and then you get to the other side. All The fact that all of that works, and often it's seamless. Now I, I do want to recognize it's bumpy sometimes, but there is some, uh, I, I find more often than not, a good experience. Um, and, and I'm not saying to myself, well, that's amazing that that works. I'm saying to myself, I'm glad it works. Like I, that was nice. I'm very pleased that I got through the whole process very smoothly. Um, sort of as a recognition that uh, when technology is really smart and really good, you don't even notice it. Uh, and mm -hmm. I think that's the case that will continue to be the case. Yeah, and it's so interesting. Well, two things that you said because I used to work, you know, for for four and a half years. I was I was working in a fitness technology company, so an app mm -hmm. here in the UK. And yeah. it's so interesting what you said about you know the CTO or or the CPO and 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 the decision making piece and the fact that actually they have to almost guide other people's expectations of what's possible or timelines. You know, keeping people's expectations on how quickly can we actually build and release these things. And <laughs> that also made me think about what you said then around it being seamless and it just works. Now, a conversation we used to have often was that when it doesn't work, I think I think consumer expectation is so high because we have products like Apple. So if you think about using AirPods, you take them out, you put them in, they connect to your phone or they connect to your laptop, boom, you're on, it works. And as you said, seamless. So I think we have an expectation that technology should always work. If it doesn't work, people have no patience they have of this frustration and as you said going through maybe airport security if the face scanner doesn't work or even if it's just buffering on the internet it's slow our patience is so slow that i just think for people to build new products and to create new things there's just no almost yeah margin for error people we've got used to this very very seamless uh, applications and technology and it's and i think our 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 barrier, if you like, or our acceptance for things to break is very, we have zero tolerance for that now. <laughs> we really do. And there's a great, uh, there's a great bit of humor uh, from a, uh, an American comedian uh, uh, where he says, you know, we're, we're, um, you're up in a plane. Okay. So you're, you're, you're 35,000 feet up in the sky, about 12 miles up in the sky, somewhere over an ocean. And um, you're trying to get on Wi-Fi and, and the Wi-Fi doesn't work. And you're like, God, technology is terrible. You know, technology doesn't work. I can't believe I can't get Wi-Fi. You have to remember, you know, you're, you're in a sort of a tin tube, you know, traveling, you know, hundreds of miles an hour, you know, 12 miles in the sky, uh, getting served warm food with functioning bathrooms. And, uh, you know, you're, you're traveling through the sky to a different continent. Um, sometimes we, lose, we do lose uh, the... Uh, uh, you know, and we, we lack the appreciation for the bigger picture that, uh, as you point out, uh, are, because we get used to it, because mm. tech is embedded in so many parts of our lives. Um, and it is, you know, uh, I, I think we should agree that uh, it's in many ways magical what happens. Um, 
any slight disruption to that is very clear and we don't have a lot of patience. Uh, but we, we need to have a little bit more. We, we do. Mm. You know, some of the stuff that I get to play with, you know, is, is so transform transformative that uh, we have to sort of almost reflect for a moment about what we're doing. I mean, I, I even reflect on what we're doing right now, right? You're, you're in the UK. I'm over here in San Francisco. We're using a cloud service. Uh, we're on different technology. Uh, we're talking, we're recording, we're going to broadcast this thing. I think that's pretty cool. Like, let's mm. not take it for granted right now. Mm. And yeah, and the, the agency and the freedom as well to be able to do that without, you know, even, even I guess, I don't know what, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, having to have a station, whether it be the radio, whether it be TV, whether it be media, <laughs> whether it be all these gatekeepers in a way to be able to, yeah, create and share the information that you want. And, and we've mentioned, we both mentioned the word change quite a lot. And something that I always think about with change, of course, there is often fear and we talk about disruption and, and acceptance, but there's also opportunity. Change always creates opportunity. So what do you think are the biggest opportunities either for individuals or for organizations? If you were looking forward, so maybe 10, 15, 20 years, what are the yeah. opportunities that you see? Well, I think, yeah, now's the time to get a bit more serious. That, that's a great question. Um, so with this change, we're entering this uh, fourth industrial revolution. Uh, if you look back at the prior ones, yes, there were a lot of winners. You know, certain people thrived, uh, certain economies did well, uh, but we also have to recognize that uh, some didn't, uh, some were laggards, and some people really struggled. And now we enter this fourth, and we ask the same question, will, will everybody be successful? Will everybody thrive? Uh, well, one thing we can say for sure is, you, you, you have notice, like you were saying to you, this is happening. If you believe the evidence, if you, if you want to go along with it, um, here's the, uh, sort of areas of change. This is what it may mean to you. Now it's up to you to take action. Uh, you got to make those uh, choices. Um, I, I often, you know, reflect on the fact and, and when I'm working with my students or, or coaching folks. Uh, is that, you know, we're, we're all a product of our choices. Our, our lives today are cumulatively all the things we've chosen over the last few decades. Um, sometimes we make great decisions and we're proud of that and often uh, we don't. But what does help, and I know this from sort of researching a book on data for the last year and a half, is that the more informed you are, uh, the more you understand patterns and sort of look to the future and say, well, I see a certain amount of things that are going to affect me. Let me make choices that are good for me and my family and my friends. Uh, that That's really important here. The fourth industrial revolution is not a time to sit on the sidelines and say, um, it doesn't matter to me. Uh, I'm going to be just fine, you know, or I'm not worried, um, or I work for a great company. It's going to be fine. Uh, th th this is not a time for that. Uh, you, you don't have to be overly anxious every day and panic, be in a constant panic mode. But I think you do need to be thoughtful and think about uh, what, what that means ahead. We no doubt automation will be a central theme of the next few decades, right? And as we automate things that humans used to do and prospered from, well, they're going to be displaced. I think a lot of what automation and AI is going to do is augment what we do, allowing us, for example, to do less dangerous work, right? That's a good news story, right? If, you, if you're in a job that uh, puts you at risk and, and by, by augmenting your work with robotics and AI, uh, you can do more of the thoughtful work, and the and the uh, machines can do the the dangerous work. I think we'd argue that's a that's a great story. Now, if you do a job that can be completely displaced by automation, um, and or you anticipate that to happen, what you've got to be thinking about? Well, well what what should I do? Uh, should I be uh, going back to to school to to, to grow my skill sets? Uh, should I be looking for a completely different uh, career? Um, you know, so so you've got to you got to be thinking about those 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 tougher choices, um, and I and I think that's that's a smart thing to do. You, your question asked about the sort of five, ten, fifteen, and beyond. We can we 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 know quite a lot about the next few years, and I when a few years every every time I say that you know time passes, that mm -hmm. timeline actually gets shorter. <laughs> you know, so I think a few years ago I would have been very comfortable saying the next ten years this is what's going to happen. Now, I think as we enter, you know, we're now into the almost the middle of the uh, third decade of the 21st century, it's much harder to say uh, we have a good sense of what's going to, the world's going to look like in 2030. It seems to me that, you know, November of 2022, when uh, ChatGPT came out, 
that potentially was a little bit of a game changer. <laughs> and mm-hmm. I say that a little bit tongue in cheek. It's, it was a big game changer. Uh, and, uh, and, and, and things are going to accelerate now in, in, in automation, in what, uh, what, what technology will be able to do, uh, whether it augments or displaces humans. Um, so I think there's a little bit of a, an acceleration that's, that's taking place. Um, but the but the important thing I do want to kind of leave you with uh, beyond these key points I just shared is it's actually really hard to know what to do in the longer term in the next five to ten and ten beyond. In a way, beyond ten years is almost impossible. It, it really is. Um, you know, we think the singularity could be here as soon as twenty twenty nine, right? Well, that's um, it's twenty twenty three. So that was that six years from now. Mm-hmm. Um, it's hard to imagine a time like six years from now when computers will be smarter than humans, um, and that you know that that all bets are off, right? What what does the future <laughs> look like when when we reach the singularity? Um, and and so we 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 got to be uh, thinking about greater disruption than than ever before. But in summary, uh, each of us, every one of us is making a series of choices uh, that are uh, important. We have to do them in a timely way. May mean making some hard choices for you and your family. You've got to be proactive around it. Mm, Yes. I mean, well, being proactive and taking action is something that I talk about probably on this show every week, regardless of, you know, regardless of the topic, regardless of the guest, because essentially, you know, I always want to bring fascinating, wonderful minds to the show like yourself. But if you just listen to the show whilst you run on the treadmill, whilst you walk your dog, maybe it's, you know, entertainment for you when you're commute, then that's fantastic. And I hope that it brings value to people. But the main thing is when people say, I listened to your podcast, I heard this person say this, and I did this as a result. And that's happened to me over the years, you know, people, whether it's people that have met, have actually met in person or, or via email or messages where they've said, I listened to this and actually I took action as a result and this is what happened. And it's always yeah. so exciting. So, and you know what, it's, when you were talking, I was thinking about, you know, obviously the industry that I've worked in for the last, you know, 10, 12, almost probably 13, 14 years now yeah. in well-being, in health and fitness. And it's interesting because obviously I've seen the the disruption, the digital innovation. I've seen all the, the benefits of um, smart wearables, sleep trackers, uh, continuous glucose monitors, you know, at home fitness apps, all of it, you know, I've seen how the industry has changed and continues to change, but I also see the, I think the desire, I suppose, for the human element. So when it comes to exercise and nutrition and motivation and sleep and all these things, there's so much of that is the human element. So it might be, for example, someone having the motivation to actually go and use the at-home fitness equipment they've got, or whether it's somebody who's actually taking action because of the data they're being shown by their watch, you know, just wearing the watch doesn't make you go for the run or do you know what I'm trying to say? So I think within, with when people hear as well, what you said, and when they might think, well, actually how is automation going to impact my industry or how is chat GTP or any, whatever industry you're in, whether it's journalism, where it's, whether it's the creative arts, whether it's music, it's not necessarily that, okay, because it can't necessarily do your job for you today. That doesn't mean that you might have to think about the role that you play within your, within your job, within your work, your industry, and how the whole industry is going to change and how your skill set, your particular skill set. So that might be communication, you know, right. What, what I'm doing right now, it might be storytelling. It might be whatever the skill set that you have is. I think it's about looking at how they layer together as opposed to just thinking my job's either going to be done by me or it's going to be done by AI. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, kind of well said, and, and I agree with that. Um, you know, in some ways, the kind of change that is ahead of us could be a motivation for change that you need in your life. Uh, so, you know, I, I was thinking about my, even my own, my own journey, um, you know, over 10 years ago, during the Great Recession, the company I was with, a very large global consulting firm, um, was impacted like everyone else was by uh, significant uh, headwinds um, to, the, uh, to the economy. And so they offered folks uh, packages to, to leave and they were going to outsource a lot of the technology work. It turned out that my work actually was going to be okay. Um, but this overall change that was happening around me to my colleagues and to the business itself got me thinking, like, what, what should I do something different? Is this, a, is this an opportunity for me to change? Um, and I actually didn't have to. So, so this is the key, the key learning here. 
I didn't have to sort of take the package and leave, but I said, I'm going to do it. I feel this is a moment where I can make that big change in my life. Took the package, left the firm and moved to California, moved to Silicon Valley uh, from Florida, actually. It was over on the East Coast. And it was a great decision. It was very disruptive. I mean, you know, uproot yourself and, and uh, you know, leave friends and colleagues behind and your community and then start afresh. Um, but I used the, the change around me to, in, a, in some ways, enhance my world and reinvent myself and, you know, have a look back. So, you know, one way to look at this moment in your life right now is you don't need to, you know, on Friday after what you're know, listening to this uh, podcast in, in the gym, say, I'm out of here, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to leave my job. But uh, it is the prospect of, you know, significant uh, societal transformation over the next decade. Uh, is that, is that momentum enough to sort of suggest to me, Hey, I'd be doing something that I'm okay with. I'm, you know, reasonably happy, but could I now change my own personal trajectory to, to do something that I love, that I, that I wake up every day and I can't wait to do, you know, and that means I got to go back to school. I got to learn new skills, but yeah, I'll take that little uh, detour just to get me to a place where I, I really want to be. So in a way, you know, embracing uh, this disruption could, could be the best thing that ever happened to you. Mm. Oh yeah, it's, it's very exciting and, and empowering to create change for yourself because yeah. when change is forced upon you, I think that's when it feels often like a failure or it's overwhelming. But exactly yeah. as you described, when you think, okay, I'm gonna, you know, whether it is move to another city or whether it's just start something of, of your own, then yeah, it's a very kind of exciting and empowering, you know, I'm an entrepreneur at my heart. So it's kind of that to me when you are talking, I'm like, yes, that is what I want for everyone. <laughs> 
Um, if everything remained the same, we'd be in big trouble, right? Mm. We, we wouldn't be able to provide clean water for everybody. Our transportation systems, which are already, you know, experiencing massive duress, uh, would, would, effect, would effectively implode upon themselves. We wouldn't have enough energy. All our, you know, um, efforts would be, would be spewing out, you know, much more carbon than it is today and the climate crisis will get worse so the trajectory would be really terrible the, the pathway to the future um so what do you do when you look at that you say well we've got to do things differently we've we got to think about the problems we have and how we solve things and how we create opportunity in a completely new way and one of the levers to do that is uh, is technology right we, we we actually uh you know there's some things that are hard to control other things we can control we can control what technologies we implement and how they're implemented. It gives us many more options. You just take the example of, of data, right? We, we live in the, in, a, in the era of big data, the, the zettabyte era, right? Uh, the Cambrian explosion of data in every part of society. And um, this is giving organizations uh, completely new insights on, um, on their organization, on the world, and, and their relationship with it. Same applies to cities. Cities that use the data that they collect and store and, and, um, and generate uh, can, can give them new insights on how to respond to community needs. So just you know, using data in a very creative way uh, and, and some of the new tools around data can, can change the game, as can you know, the, the migration from carbon to non-carbon energy, uh, from you know, greater use of public transport and, and electrification of our transportation system. Um, so bottom line is uh, we smart cities or the future of cities, and I like to think, by the way, smart and sustainable cities, mm -hmm. uh, smart and sustainable communities, um, because it's we, we, we have to have, you know, uh, healthy, clean air, clean water, you know, good uh, uh, green spaces for our mental health and for our exercise and for getting out. We have to have all of that uh, to have uh, the, the data is pretty, the, the science on this is pretty clear. Uh, to get there, we've got to use technology. And that's what I mean. And that's what I work on a lot uh, in my life these days. It's super fascinating. And I, I think about how, uh, you know, my own experience of cities, whether it's working in cities, living in cities, traveling to new cities. And I think about the most enduring change that I have seen since the pandemic, and that is mm -hmm. hybrid work. So, and especially amongst my peers, people who say, you know what, I've actually moved out of the city or maybe they've moved kind of like a little bit further away from work because they're no longer required to be in a central location every single day. So they might only have to visit the office twice a week. Some people might work completely remotely now and say, you know what, I'm never going into this office again so why would i live in you know such a crowded area it's so expensive especially here in in the uk in london a lot of people are saying hey if i can live outside of london and i don't have to live in that city then that's my preference but we know that cities have so there's so much benefit of young mm -hmm. especially for young people living in cities not just the the office and the work but loads of other things whether that's you know socializing whether that's meeting a potential mate yes. whether that's you know all these other things so yeah i guess you are the, the the expert when it comes to cities are there any other i guess what are the big changes or, or or things that you've seen since the pandemic and which of those are maybe going back and which of those are here to stay yeah yeah well yeah, i mean you hit the most probably the most important is how we work and we're still not sure where things are going to land uh, you know, we've seen here in Silicon Valley, uh, for example, uh, people are returning to the office, uh, but there's still a lot of empty offices and, and there's a, a lot of people who have been able to continue to, to work from home. Uh, so we're still in the period of sort of like uh, uncertainty where, where, where that is headed. I think the evidence is clear that we're not all going back to the office. You know, and when I when I meet what I mean by that is that, that commute to some other building somewhere, um, the, we, we figured out that a lot of people don't have to. So I, I don't think we ever get back to the status quo. So that's that's um, that's an area of, of phenomenal, uh, phenomenal change. Um, uh, it, it, one thing that is worth observing is is, you know, we, we and, and this is sort of a criticism, I guess, of, of humanity is we, we didn't embrace the opportunities as much as we could have. Uh, we we are returning to many of our bad behaviors, right? Um, you know, the, the one thing that I kind of I think a lot of us enjoyed during um, COVID, if it's if it's okay to say that, because uh, it was such a horrific time, uh, was was how much the traffic had improved and getting mm -hmm. from A to B was easier and there was less crowds and um, you know, just you know in Silicon Valley today, it's 
it's it's worse. The, the traffic is even worse. People, much more people are out. Um, so we, we we didn't sort of say we're going to have a different, a completely different future. Uh, I think there's two other areas uh, that that are uh, uh, notably different. One is the whole delivery economy, the whole uh, notion of delivery. And, you know, my own story is I never got groceries delivered to my house um, prior to, to COVID. Um, I'm a person who would go to the grocery store and, and pick out apples and, you know, like groceries and come home. And so during COVID, when things that were really bad here, when everybody was sort of not going out much at all, um, we I, I ordered food and, and uh, you know, groceries and they got delivered. And I was, was like uh, pleasantly surprised by the process. Um, I don't know that it's environmentally good, uh, you know, just the the whole notion of everybody getting stuff delivered, but it certainly was a good experience, uh, and and uh, and so that has continued in in so many aspects of our our of our lives. Um, you know, we, we're more fully embracing, and as a consequence, that means things like um, what we call curb management. Yeah, not not the most exciting uh, work <laughs> in the world, but you know, if you have a you think about London, London's a great example because it's uh, the infrastructure is so diverse. You know, you've, you've one-way streets, you've narrow streets, and you know you've got to have delivery trucks sort of park for a while in these one-way streets. And what does that mean to to traffic? So we have to redesign the curb so that you know a truck can can park for for twenty-five minutes if it needs to, and not disrupt the entire you know transportation system around it. Um, and and so that's that's an area of continued change. I think we'll we'll continue to see that evolve. And I suppose the last one, and this probably really resonates with you, is is how we are getting our healthcare. Again, another example of where I was um, a person who always went to a doctor's office. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I would make an appointment and go to a physical place. And uh, you know, it's it's quite funny because the first time in my entire life that the doctor called me proactively, they had so little business during COVID. Um, that they just started reaching out to patients and seeing how they were doing, which was lovely. <laughs> Mind you, that stopped. Uh, but um, but that was nice to sort of have that uh, video conference, conversation on my smartphone with with my doctor and sort of share any concerns. And and uh, I got the confidence then to sort of uh, next time I had something I wanted to share, I would do it with my smartphone and and really take it offline. Or I should say online, but uh, not having to go to a physical place, and have the everything from and this sort of combines all these notions, right? So, sending a picture, perhaps of a, of a you know of a, of something on your skin that you wanted to get you had a concern about, you wanted to get some information, then having some medicine sort of dispensed, uh, you know, by mail, getting to your house. There's that's changed. That whole experience has changed, and mm-hmm. and I think you know we're seeing that in cities, uh, communities uh, all over the world. Yeah, absolutely. And it's interesting that you highlighted so with the delivery aspect, and I suppose transportation in that sense of yeah, being able to to deliver goods and services. And as we know, Amazon being one of the biggest players, if not the biggest player in the world when it comes to home delivery service. And then yeah, the the medical um, profession and how they went online. And actually, Mm -hmm. you know, I talked about the fact Amazon acquired One Medical, and that was quite a big, you know, news story. And the fact that, you know, the the CEO of of Amazon, Andy Jazzy, said that transportation and healthcare were the two industries that he would be focused on over the next decade. And the fact that, you know, we're going to see a continuation. I think it's going to, I think for some people, it will be a surprise, but I think for others, you know, it's going to be such a so fast i feel like the once these things get in motion so whether that's uh you know as you said seeing a doctor online whether that's getting medication delivered whether that's the fact that actually after you have that consultation or you have that medicine maybe a month later you get a recommendation that says hey maybe because you've bought this or you've had this appointment or we know that you read a book about uh this maybe you need this supplement or maybe you need this knee support mm-hmm. or maybe and you know this kind of ecosystem of data and sharing and information and it's i feel like it's going to be so fast and so the 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 disruption and the change will be so it's just exponential you know and i think yeah. that's something that i'm really really fascinated to see how how the kind of even in the fitness world, the, the, everyone who, for example, the Whoop, the, so the the Whoop trackers, the Apple Watches, the Aura Rings, all these um, products and services, which at the moment 
the consumer, so me going to the gym, wearing the watch or wearing the ring, you're taking that data and you're saying, oh, let me look at my heart rate. Oh, let me look at my step count. Let me look at, you know, track my my menstrual cycle. But I think mm-hmm. the power really lies when that information can be shared with the doctor or shared with a physician or shared with a psychologist or a dentist or anyone essentially to give you a better service. And that's, yeah, I think it's going to be incredibly exciting, but mm-hmm. it's going to be huge, huge, huge change. Yeah. Can I just add to that? Um this is a little bit of speculation, uh, but this is where we're maybe headed. And, and, and the, well, look, the healthcare industry, I think is ready for major change. It, it has to undergo its own transformation. Um, but today you think about how we get, uh, you know, healthcare in a community, you know, probably we, we all do a little bit of a search online first to, to kind of see what might be going on. But at some point we then make an appointment, perhaps we do go to a clinic or we, we get, uh, you know, provided service from a from a, a medical uh, personnel over you know uh, over our smartphone or or a laptop computer. So there, you know, and then we have to go maybe to get a test, and we have to go to a physical place, get you know maybe some blood tests. Um, so there's this deep in- engagement between the individual and the healthcare uh, ecosystem. It, it's possible that within a few years, um, as an individual, you'll be able to get diagnosed online from AI. Uh, get administered medication, um, and you know, take that medication. That you know, and and basically treat yourself. Uh, and, and and what that means is um, the role of healthcare changes. Uh, mm. Is it possible that we'll do the diagnostic and the administration of the you know whatever the responses to that and move on? Uh, in which case, again, I think first of all, there's all sorts of questions about sort of liability and risk, right? Of of that, but also mm. what does that mean in terms of the role of uh, of the various uh, participants in the medical uh, ecosystem. Um, so I think we need to be thinking as bold as that, is what happened mm-hmm. when, you, when you take the medical system out of your medical attention, um, what does that mean? Yeah, and what I'm thinking, you know, I mentioned before about the human element, but I'm thinking yeah. about patient care. So, you know, as you said, getting diagnosed with something, you know, the the, the number or the, the the marker that says, okay, in your blood test, you have this, that's one part of it. But the patient care is often the part which you need the person for, which is the person yeah. who sits you down and says, hey, this is the diagnosis and this is what's going to happen now. This is what steps will happen now. And that can be anything from, uh, you know, pregnancy and miscarriage right through to, to cancers. There's all these things where actually patient care, like if you take that human element away, you know, from a mental health perspective and emotional health perspective, how would it feel to actually diagnose and, you know, test and diagnose yourself and then say, hey, I've just, you know, I mean, I mean, you can't imagine actually how, yeah, how people are going to navigate that that challenge because I think the patient care part. I mean, we've probably all had good experiences and bad experiences mm-hmm. when it comes to to patient care, and I think the difference that that makes when you have a healthcare professional who is nurturing and wonderful and kind and the difference it makes when you have someone who not necessarily on purpose but maybe they're quite analytical or maybe they're quite you know matter of fact I know in the past I had that experience and it and it was it was terrible for for me personally to have just a very clinical person just say you know boom 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 it was it was really terrible and yeah I think that kind of again going back to the human element I think that's just a it's going to be so many gray areas, isn't there, with this this innovation, this disruption? And I think, hopefully, I mean, we're still going to need we're going to need humans. Yeah, no, we're, I think so. <laughs> we'll figure that out. Uh, it, yeah. it, it it will be um, surprising. Like I think, what's the learning there? A little bit. Um, we we are as humans one thing we can say is we we like predictability we actually are nostalgic because and often we like the way things were and we would like the things to continue and and in a way that sort of human response is is both a good thing because it 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 allows for uh a a world in which uh disruption doesn't happen every you know 30 minutes but it also is risky because we get we become complacent and we think about the future like a straight line. And, and I think what we need to do, going back to some of the questions you've asked me uh, earlier in this, in our discussion about thinking about the you know, next five, 10, 15 years is we have to think about possibilities of a world that is quite different. Like, I, I don't mean to suggest that you're wrong in any way, but is the, maybe the human element when it comes to healthcare, it, it, it it, it's not going to be part of it, or or eighty percent will not have a human element. That's very different than how we historically think. 
but we have to kind of use that uh, mindset thinking to inform us about a whole range of things. You know, if you're if you're a leader of a business, and you say, you know, our business is solid, I don't see big change. Um, that might be a very bad starting point. The starting point might be to say, I anticipate massive change. What do we do right now? <laughs> or what sort of things should we be thinking about or researching or experimenting with? Um, and be ready, be prepared for as best you can for, for that change. Mm-hmm. It's worth saying, though, that some of that change, by the way, is unpredictable. And, and, and you know, um, if some people will call me a, a futurist uh, for, uh, sometimes. I, I, I don't think it's a fair uh, description because I... I think it's actually quite difficult to predict today, you know, anything beyond a certain amount of years. It becomes just a really good guess. Uh, like yeah. it, it was always a bit of a guess, of course, but now it's like a really like a, a random guess to some degree uh, because of the the significance of this, uh, this, this, this future that we're headed into. Yeah. And, and and to add to that as well, I think, you know, I'm an, I always say I'm an eternal optimist and I feel like it's even, even right down to looking to the future and, thinking actually what if we what if the assumption is that it could be even better so whether mm-hmm. that was the healthcare example that we had whether that's transportation whether that's anything what about you know what about the assumption that whatever is going to be whatever's going to displace whatever we're going to create it's going to be even better because we couldn't have imagined it you know the examples that you gave before with you know electricity or with digital or with the, even just the internet you know mm-hmm. i'm sure there were people um, and we know there were that said oh my gosh this is going to be the worst thing ever everything from you know when when radio came along or when tv came or when newspaper and print or there's always been people that say this is bad for society. This is bad for humanity. And now, you know, we, we definitely hear that around social media and different things, but I think, yeah, I, I'm, as I say, an optimist. And I think mm-hmm. that we, I hope anyway, I have faith in humanity that we will create things that everything can't exponentially get better. But I do think, I do believe we can create things that will be better. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the, the, the evidence is there. I mean, we, we, um, uh, if you turn on the TV right now uh, and you and you looked at what was going on in terms of the news, you might say the world is in bad shape and we've got a lot of problems. But that's not a good way to look at the progress of humanity. You have to look over the last few decades or even centuries. And overwhelmingly, um, you know, the, the, the human condition has improved by leaps and bounds. So uh, I'm, I'm with you. I'm an optimist. Um, I think we have at our fingertips uh, remarkable capabilities ahead of us to be able to uh, transform the future in a very positive way Mm -hmm. let's hope so so i have oh my goodness it's gone too quickly for me i love this conversation (laughs) so much i knew that i would um but at the end of every show i ask every single guest on this podcast to tell us about their power hour and the power hour put simply is the first hour of every day and i'm not super strict about what time that is i know for some people that's 5 a.m and for others it's lots lots later depending um on on what they do and who they are but i ask everyone to share with us what you include in the first hour of your day (laughs) <laughs> That's great. Um, well, you're the expert on this, and maybe in the, in the next few days and weeks, you can give me some advice. Um, well, I will say this: as I have got um, uh, become older, uh, I get up earlier, which is uh, which is good because the day is longer. But it's also, you know, I used to be able to sleep in, and, and these days, uh, you know, uh, it, it, I'm waking up very, very early. Um, so there's there's more time in the day. I'm I'm, I'm uh, that that first hour allows me to uh, sort of uh, do things like, of course, I check email. I do, unfortunately. That's one of the first things I do. Check social media channels, see what's going on. Um, I uh, um, I always have breakfast. I, I you know, um, my father told me there was a like a Eastern European saying that you shouldn't deny your enemies breakfast. Um, <laughs> it's the most important meal of the day, so there is a breakfast in there. Um, and um, and uh, every day I exercise. You'll be happy to hear that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's not always at the same time. But when I do predictably uh, exercise, it's it's in the morning. I do like to get that over with. Um, sets me up really well for the day. I get energized and has you know all the benefits of exercise. Um, and I work from home, so I have a home office. Um, so you know after I have breakfast, I've um, exercised. Um, cleaned up, I will, um, you know, sit at my desk here and, and get a few things uh, pounded out in terms of, uh, 
um, some uh, requests online and and um, and and uh, uh, urgent emails, you know that type of thing. So so unfortunately, uh, it's not it's not as glamorous as maybe you thought. <laughs> but, <laughs> that's the first no, hour uh, typically of, of of my average day, I think. Yeah, no, it's great to hear. And I know, obviously, because I know you personally, I know that you do so many things. As I said in the show, we could have talked about a number of things today. <laughs> so if people have enjoyed hearing your viewpoint, hearing what you do, where can they find more of your work? Tell us about some of the books and and, and online things that you share. <laughs> Thanks for that. Uh, let's see. Well, my personal website is really easy. It's just my last name.com. So it's reichenthal.com, R-E-I-C-H. E-N-T-A-L.com or Reichenthal.com. Um, so you'll find a ton of videos and, and uh, articles and, and all sorts of uh, things that are, are useful there, mostly almost all free. So tons of content and, and insight for free. Um, I'm very active on LinkedIn. Uh, LinkedIn is my sort of preferred channel uh, for engaging with people. And so I encourage your listeners to connect with me, to write me questions. Um, and uh, that would be, would be a terrific channel. Yeah, I'm on Twitter, of course. Um, uh, definitely observing it going through some, some interesting times right now. Uh, I am on uh, YouTube, uh, so you can, you can watch a lot of my uh, videos and, and podcasts and things on that. Um, so yeah, if you go to, I mean, if you go to uh, reichenthal.com, you'll find uh, all my books and my training videos and, and, and things like that. So uh, you'll see that I've written books on um, the future of money, on the future of cities, um, uh, data, the role of data, and, and some other things. So, uh, would love uh, love to answer your questions um, or uh, uh, have you benefit from any of the content that I've created over the last few years. So, th so thanks for the opportunity. Yeah, well, I'm sure you will. It is fascinating and and really fantastic work. So I encourage you to dive in. And as you said, so much of that content is free. Watch the videos, read the books. It's 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 fantastic. And I've I always love working with you, Jonathan. I always enjoy talking to you and listening to your your viewpoints. So thank you so much for agreeing to come and be a guest on the podcast. Thank you, Adrian. Thank you for doing this. You you do fantastic work yourself. This is a wonderful podcast, and and I'm uh, you're you're an inspiration. So so thank you for everything. Oh, it's great. Well, tune in everyone next week as always, because I'll be back with another episode. See ya.